nowadays technology, social media have given individuals the power to stand up for their opinions and beliefs and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they create shape and uh, in a way storytelling only is a, is a bit of a thing in the past. Story making, story sharing is, uh, is much more of a participatory process. Welcome to the LS International Career Success Podcast. I'm Paula Sainz Lopez and today I am pleased to introduce you to Stefano Violito. Stefano is a successful entrepreneur who has built several of his own startups, always with a big passion for brands with a purpose, which can bring value back to society. Even at Unilever, where he had a successful senior career, he was responsible for innovation and leading the company's environmental and sustainable living strategies. On this podcast, Stefano will shine some light on business transformation, how to embrace change, and how to use it as force to drive businesses and individuals forward. Welcome, Stefano. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. It's a pleasure. Actually, I wanted to start, Stefano, by asking you some questions on business transformation, because I believe that you know one or two things on the topic. Since you've experienced both sides, you've worked in very large multinationals such as Unilever, and you are currently an entrepreneur and you've built several of your own startups. So I wanted to get your input in terms of challenges, changes that the FMCG industry is going to face. What's your perspective? in that. What are the challenges that FMCG is going to face in the next few years? Sure. I think at the macro level, I think the industry has been having to, uh, to contend uh, with the complexity of the VUCA world. If anything, uh, this is going to be even stronger in the future. This requires uh, adaptability and resilience. Mm-hmm. You know, just look at uh, what happened now with the massive disruption that the COVID-19 has caused on most businesses. You know, hardly expected, and it affected the consumer demand on entire business categories, affected business operations, supply chains, way of working. So, you know, you can see that uh, the VUCA world is a real one, and one that uh, the best businesses will be able to navigate through. I also think that the current situation has only accelerated some of the uh, changes that were fundamentally already happening. You know, take uh, channels. A lot has been said in... Uh, consumers and people shopping increasingly online in the new environment, while this has been a change happening for several years now. And big, fast-moving consumer good has been and still is, I believe, dependent on traditional brick-and-mortar distribution. And I think uh, this very capability is something that is very different from uh, the capability that you need to build in uh, e-commerce. It requires a different understanding of consumer journeys, also, it needs uh, the realization that uh, content, marketing, commerce, are just you know, fused together. It's a very difficult, different way of uh, interacting uh, with, uh, with people. The second uh, big change that I see is probably related to the way brands and individuals interact. Traditionally, the big industry has perfected the top-down mass market communication. But this is, you know, less effective nowadays because in a way is a message that goes in a one-way street rather than engaging the listener in a conversation. Okay. So, you know, I believe that nowadays technology, social media have given 
individuals the power to stand up for their opinions and beliefs and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they create shape and uh, in a way storytelling only is a, is a bit of a thing in the past story making story sharing is uh, is much more of a participatory process i guess that's how it's going to affect the consumer right so they're going to have a more proactive role than, than just receiving what, what other yes. people create Absolutely. You know, a lot have been t- told about best brand, that they are great storytellers. And the very uh, name storytellers is uh, someone that, uh, you know, sit down and tell a story to someone True. else. Yeah. This instead is uh, story sharing, a story co-creating, story making. Consumers do not, or people rather, do not want to be just a passive, passive listener. You know, I think that social marketing is often mistaken for, you know, advertising on social channels like Facebook. And I think social marketing is just embracing the fact that it is a conversation. It is a constant conversation. And the brands are becoming community property. Marketeers in this way don't just drive conversation. The community does. Mm -hmm. Do you have any examples of any company that, in your opinion, they're doing very well at kind of advancing changes and preparing for uncertain times and for the future overall? I think the... The best uh, examples, and probably I'm not going to single out a specific company over, over another, but uh, uh, in terms of uh, businesses that are really doing it beautifully, I think most uh, indie brands are ahead of the game in this sense. And probably because uh, they started in this way. They didn't depend on uh, the ability to have uh, a mass market uh, model. Probably, you know, is is a model that is very expensive to start with. Mm-hmm. So small brands, indie brands, uh, almost need to be much smarter in the way they interact with uh, with their customers. But uh, it quickly becomes a complete philosophy. It quickly becomes uh, a way of behaving for the brand that is incredibly authentic. Uh, if you look at uh, you know big brands uh, that have been built in uh, skincare particularly in the past few years. This trend is almost uh, ubiquitous. Companies have always been interested in seeing uh, companies like L'Oreal really trying to step ahead of the game in embedding uh, digital in uh, in everything they do, both in terms of communication, but also in terms of innovation. So I think it's getting there. Only a realization that is uh, a very different way of uh, interacting with people and is... uh, two-way system is a participatory process rather than a one-way communication flow. Okay, okay, makes sense. And based on your experience, how do you think that businesses and individuals overall can get ready for unexpected changes in, that we're, like the ones that we're currently living with COVID-19? Well, a couple of years ago, I if you don't mind me saying so, I read a, a book. Uh, I don't know if I can mention it. So the book was a, a beautiful book from Harry Timms and Jeremy Hyman's called New Power, which I would warmly recommend to anyone that wants to have an insight in the new world of brands. Essentially, the book describes the difference between old power values and the new power values. Old power works like a currency, works by accumulation. It is held by the few comes uh, almost from a point uh, of authority, knowledge, uh, and is jealously guarded. Okay. And the new power, the book stipulates, is, uh, you know, it works like a current. It flows, it is shared, it is made by the many, it is a participatory, rewards open source collaboration, radical transparency. And I think uh, this uh, 
distinction describes very well the change that uh, businesses are facing. Uh, you know, moving away from uh, a system that was uh, much more uh, controlled to a system that is much more in, a, I would say, in constant beta mode. That is probably a, a significant uh, change that uh, businesses and individuals need to get ready to. Okay. Do you think that companies nowadays understand this new way of, of defining power and understanding power? How is it impacting the companies? Some big companies and corporations, uh, they have been successful for so many years in managing uh, core business models that have been optimized and perfected over the years because they represent the backbone of the company and they need to be run uh, efficiently and profitably. But uh, next to it, uh, the real point uh, is uh, being able to invest significant resources to create uh, almost a second engine of growth. I do believe that uh, most companies would realize the need for this second engine of growth. But it's sometimes complex and difficult to manage at the same time the core business and the new emerging business. Some companies, or probably a mistake that, that some companies might make is to consider this new growth engine as just some pilots, some incubators, something that is not really fundamental to the success or failure of the business. And I think it's important to recognize the importance of uh, uh, this growth engine and go mm -hmm. all in on it. But it also requires adaptation and a different uh, attitude and approach to it. A governance that would uh, otherwise work for traditional processes and projects in a company probably would work less for these new models. They needed to be, how can I say, unleashed <laughs> to experiment okay, and to try yeah. before they are brought back to the tight governance of the ongoing core business. So I think most companies do understand, and I think nonetheless, affecting the change at scale, it's sometimes very complex. And it's an exercise of leadership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And from your personal view, what do you believe are the essential skills of a leader in this new world? I probably would say vision, passion, okay. and curiosity. Now, vision, uh, I would say, is particularly important because in a, in a non-linear world, where an ambition cannot just be bigger and better and more profitable outcomes, you need to have a clear point of view on the future that is likely to be very different and therefore be able to understand how you can drive into it. Passion uh, for me is, uh, is about truly bringing your full self at work. I believe even more so today, individuals really seek to work for companies that represent and share their values. You know, almost mm -hmm. no disconnection. And curiosity, which is probably curiosity and learning mindset, is uh, probably the most important for me personally, and uh, probably the most underrated. Because in a, in a world of knowledge and specialism, being curious to learn was mm -hmm. dismissed as a lack of preparation and expertise. And instead, I think that uh, you know, the most uh, fundamental difference of the leader of the future is the humility to understand that the world is in a constant flux. Uh, there was a brilliant quote from Jack Ma that was saying that you know, there are no experts of tomorrow, mostly experts of yesterday. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is true. And so... For me, it's an invitation to be constantly inquisitive, listen, learn, and adapt. 
So yeah, I would say these are probably my three okay. points. Mm-hmm. And speaking of leadership, actually, how do you think it will impact the individuals themselves within companies or how has it impacted you, for example? Well, I think that the way it will impact individuals is probably back to my analogy of, of new power before. It's about embracing a mindset of trial and error, embrace a mindset of constant learning and constant improving, mm-hmm. a mindset of you know, minimum viable product launched and learning from the mistakes. It's a much more fluid mindset from the past. In a way, it's probably a, the mindset of, of a founder in a startup where okay. change and, and adaptability are really what is needed to survive and to succeed. Mm-hmm. And how do you think that purpose-led companies are doing? Do they have a, a better take on how to manage change over and or in comparison with traditional business models? Because I know that you have quite a bit of experience working with, with purpose-led and sustainable companies. What's your perspective on that? Well, I'm probably a bit biased here because, as you said, I worked in Unilever alumni and I was a part of the original team that created the Unilever Sustainable Living Plan. So, yes, I believe that companies can be a force of good. And yes, I believe that they, they will uh, thrive ahead of the competition. Probably the one thing that I would say is that purpose-led businesses tend to be better, better equipped for long-term success because they are uh, more mindful of the bigger impact that they have. And they don't look just at their direct business and operations, but they have a, a more holistic uh, Uh, look uh, at uh, the world uh, and all their stakeholders. This is important because it equips yourself with some foresight rather than just insight and predicting and having a point of view on the future, which often uh, allows uh, a better innovative spirit. It allows to anticipate the needs of the customers. It also allows to anticipate uh, potential disruptions to the business. Mm -hmm. So yes, I fundamentally believe that they are better equipped. And frankly, if you look uh, at many surveys uh, done in this area, they all constantly say that particularly Generation Z, millennials, uh, reward preferentially brands uh, that uh, the values of which they share. Because at the end of the day, and I think the the COVID experience uh, showed us, people increasingly want to buy and make choices that speak about themselves and that represent their values. In this sense, purpose-led businesses are ahead because they are more authentic. They stand for those very values. So I'm absolutely persuaded that, uh, that they create a better bond and a better um, link with people, with the consumer. Probably because they focus on those values. They focus, if you, in, if you want, on on the why. They don't focus necessarily on the what or the how. They focus why are we doing business. Okay. They are also more flexible in understanding what they need to change to achieve that same why. They are less wedded to a particular delivery system, a product, etc. They they follow a longer term mission. So yes, no, I I'm absolutely sure that they are. Okay. Do you have any uh, examples of any company that you think is is purpose-led and that has been inspiring you for a while or that you have kind of always looked up to? (laughs) I have many. 
but uh, probably the one example that I really love is Patagonia. First of all, uh, because uh, I love the product. I think they are incredibly, incredibly well made. But I think uh, what Patagonia has been uh, uh, doing uh, with the campaign, uh, you know, the, the famous campaign, uh, don't buy this jacket, uh, it was incredibly clever. It was uh, expressing a point of view on the category against fast fashion and the fact of and the consumerism of, of constantly buying uh, new clothes. But it was also expressing a point of view on the product. My product is so strong that you don't need to buy yeah. it again and again mm-hmm. and again. So very clever because it was expressing at the same time the value of the product and the values of the company. And then uh, very authentic because they keep on uh, seizing every opportunity to take a point of view and stand for that point of view. The very fact that they use uh, all the proceedings, uh, proceedings of, of Black Friday to be given back uh, to environmental causes uh, mm-hmm. uh, or pledging a uh, portion of their sales in, uh, in natural environment restoration. So I think the reason I like it is because uh, it really feels uh, a very full and rounded campaign that is really at the core of the business. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, at the end of the day, a purpose-led brand is one that uh, is clear on the positive difference to society that can make, that is motivating, of course, to their targets, but that uh, is linked the product that they sell. And Patagonia, in this sense, has got exactly this triangle right. Okay, okay. Very interesting indeed. Stefano, thank you so much for sharing your insights on how to embrace and, and how to be ready for change. I feel like I've learned a lot, so thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been great. And thank you so much as well to our listeners. See you in the next edition of the podcast. Bye.